Blog Talk Radio. Since 
1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, I've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, it's a continuation of Monday's show. We had, uh, oh my gosh, tons and tons of questions from our Facebook audience uh, about the health of their chickens. And uh, we got to uh, a few questions on Monday. We were going to do it Tuesday. Uh, we had the, not the bird flu, but the stomach flu <laughs> attack us here at the homestead. Uh, kind of gotten over that. Uh, yesterday we had Tracy Kennebec here talking about essential oils. And then today, Peter Brown will be joining us here shortly, and he'll be uh, finishing up some of those questions uh, that our wonderful, wonderful fans on Facebook asked about keeping their flock healthy. So uh, we hope to answer quite a few during the show today. Uh, There's two ways you can win a chicken coop with us right now. Uh, We just got done with the February Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest. Uh, We had about nine prizes that we gave away, coop, incubator, brooder, heater, coop, heater, uh, the sweeter heater, um, the Eco Glow 20, a uh, year subscription of Print Magazine for Chicken Whisperer Magazine, uh, a Peck and Play, uh, gosh, just tons of prizes that we gave away. And now, guess what? We're going to be starting another coop contest on March 15th with Extreme Coops. Uh, it's an awesome fiberglass coop and uh, easy to clean, easy to disinfect. Uh, it's really, really a neat design. And uh, go check them out over there. 
And uh, so we're going to be uh, starting that contest on March 15th. It'll go through April 15th, tax day. We'll be giving away a coupe on tax day if it doesn't fall on the weekend. And uh, so that's going to be really awesome. I'm getting all the rules and things together and uh, figuring out uh, just all the details and uh, putting together the, the ad for it. We can post on Facebook, the whole nine yards. So you're going to have a chance to win another coupe starting on March 15th. That will run for a month. And also, right this second, we're giving away a coupe in the spring issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Yep, that's from Wood Tex Products. You can go check out all their awesome coupes online. And uh, it's a tractor, actually, that they're giving away. It's called Tractor Factor Contest. And uh, it's got the, the coupe uh, with the, the tractor with the run attached. And uh, you can go and, um, and and register to win for that for free. Enter for free. You don't have to subscribe to the digital edition or the print edition, but why not subscribe to the digital edition? It's free. F-R-E-E, free. F-R-E-E, free. Free, free, free. I don't know why you haven't subscribed yet. It's awesome, factual, fact-based, science-based, study-based information from experts in their field from around the country. We don't have any bloggers writing for the magazine that have kept chickens for six months just to fill content. Okay, nope, not going to happen, never going to happen. You will see no chickens wearing clothes in my magazine. Never, it's not going to happen, ever going to happen. I don't care if you're into that, that's great. There's lots of fans that keep chickens for different reasons and different ways, but you're not going to see it in my magazine. Okay, uh, but but fact-based, study-based, science-based information uh, for you to raise your healthy flock of chickens, um, and completely free to subscribe. How cool is that? Doesn't cost you a dime. You'll get it to your email four times a year. Hey, you know what? If you like a print subscription, we have thousands of, of, of subscribed to that. Ship it right out to you, right to your mailbox. Sit in your easy chair, watching your favorite TV show, flipping through the magazine learning about your flock's health. How cool is that? Um, and it's free. Go ahead and sign up, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And while you're there, you can enter to win that awesome chicken coop uh, that we have that we're giving away in that spring issue. How cool is that? So, hey, no more jabber. We've got Peter who's just called in. We've got a lot of questions to get to. It's Thursday, which is really our Friday because we don't broadcast on Friday. We're going to have a long weekend. It's going to be a rainy weekend here, so... Lots of time inside with the kids. Going to have fun. And I uh, hope you have a great weekend, too, by the way. But, hey, hey, there you go, chickenwhispermagazine.com. If you haven't already, you can go there on this rainy weekend and read every single issue we've had. Hmm, sounds good to me. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, we'll welcome, uh, let's give them a big chicken whisper welcome, why don't we? Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. We got over the stomach bug somewhat, and uh, we're uh, still uh, still on the road to recovery. But man, feeling so much better. And good. we're glad you could join us uh, again today to finish up some of these questions. Our great fans over on our Facebook page uh, posted uh, earlier in the week, so I'm actually there and scrolling down right now. Going to try to find out where we left off. And um, hey, just like you had. I don't know if you want to use the word predicted or not, but you talked about how the avian influenza uh, could move east, and it has posted it on our website. Uh, yeah. it's, and uh, it's moved to, I believe it was, uh, I got it right here, uh, Minnesota and Missouri. It's in the Mississippi flyway now, and it's got the east coast a little concerned as it starts to move eastward. So we posted some stories uh, about that on our Facebook page that people can uh, can read. So let's see. Um, 
scrolling down here a little bit more. Here we go. Okay, is that the first one or the second? Okay, here we started on the first one here. I want to make sure we get them in order. See where we are. Last on Monday. Make sure we get these. Uh, let's see what we got. Yep. Okay, we started here. We've moved down here. We talked about Solnet. We talked about the Bumblefoot. Uh, talked about brooder temperatures. Talked about the coaching that sneezes every ten seconds. Okay, here's okay. We'll just start right here and uh, move on and try to see how many we can answer in the, the time allowed. We'll probably go to our second commercial break around uh, two forty. Lisa has a question. I have a four-year-old Sorama rooster that seems to choke on his food. He will eat a few pieces and then fling his head around, spitting out the food. His comb starts to darken. Uh, he will wheeze for air, and then he'll start to eat again. And this isn't new for him. I tried to look up this subject on Google, and um, it's it just is kind of crazy with the things I found. So would be grateful if you would help me help him. So okay. uh, I don't I don't know if it's pellets or crumble or mash. I don't know if it's scratch. I don't know if it's whole grains. I have no what no idea what type of food. But that's what we got. Yeah, uh, it's a, re, uh, a kind of like a reflex reaction. Um, uh, I, I guess if I if I were looking at this, I'd want to know more. Uh, but mm-hmm. going on the information we have, the fa- some birds are fast eaters, um, and sometimes that is uh, something that comes about. Uh, and a learned habit from uh, a flock where a bird might be under pressure from other birds uh, being kept away from feeder or being attacked after they go to a feeder. That may not be the case here, but lots of times it is. So a bird will go over instead of just pecking at the feed and eating normally, they eat like crazy. And at some point during that intake of food, they have to breathe. So they open that glottis and a little bit of food gets into the glottis and you get that squeak and that head shaking trying to move it out because if it gets deep down in the glottis, <clears throat> they'll not get it out. Um, and if it doesn't kill the bird, which is rare because uh, uh, it just continues to move uh, you know, on down the airway, um, which at the, at the bottom, once it branches off to the, uh, to the bronchi, they get, the tubes get smaller and smaller and, and gets to that point, they will be a dead bird, absolutely sure. Uh, so I, I think that one of the ways that I would do this um, uh, is to maybe dampen the top of his food. You can use anything, um, a little bit of cod liver oil, um, uh, plain water with vitamins, electrolytes mixed with it, just, just dampen it a little bit and wet it uh, and see if that doesn't help um, and slow down uh, and have less, uh, even if he's eating a crumble uh, or, or, what, or a pellet um, and, and that type of thing. Generally, I don't see it so much uh, with a real coarse feed if he's got a lot of... Uh, scratch grains and stuff in there, they, they generally don't cause it. It's dust and smaller particles uh, as a general rule. Um, you know, whether any of this will, will truly, uh, you know, alleviate the situation completely, um, you know, remains to be seen. But And then you might even go with uh, uh, a, a totally wet food and see if that doesn't uh, help if you're not getting anywhere with just dampening the top of the feed. But you can use cod liver oil, wheat germ oil, uh, just plain water if you if you got nothing else. Um, and just just dampen the top of it and see if that does slow it down. Lots of times it does. Um, I know in our flock out here they like to eat all of the um, 
it's a small crumble, and it has a, a fair amount of powdered stuff with it. And uh, they like to eat all the crumbles and stuff and leave everything else, but if you leave it there long enough for them, then they go and eat it. And we hear the same squeaking uh, every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then. And all that is is them uh, breathing while the food's going over the glottis, get a little piece in there, it causes them to squeak like that. So that mm-hmm. would be my recommendation at this point. And uh, if she has to, then she can move on to a totally wet food and see if that doesn't alleviate it altogether. Good deal. Great information. Thanks for uh, that. Interesting. I don't think we've ever had that question before. Um, Jill wants to know, I would love to get some advice on chronic diarrhea and options for therapy. Chronic diarrhea takes place in what we would call the colon. It's the last part of the intestine, um, and it's the inability of the intestinal tract for whatever reason uh, to absorb uh, moisture, just, just like in humans. Our diarrhea is caused by the same thing. Uh, inability of our colon to absorb the water. That's where the water is taken out of uh, uh, of the uh, of the dropping, both human and, and chicken. So um, there's something abnormal there. Uh, I would probably try all of the normal, um, you know, routes of of treatment: uh, worming, making sure that there's no worms. Um, and uh, one of the ways I would do that, uh, and I recommend becoming a, a, a avid poop inspector. And uh, so when the birds go to roost at night, you, most folks, uh, unless you've got a flock of, uh, you know, a real large flock, 100 birds or whatever, you don't remember where each one roosts, but you remember smaller flocks have a tendency to remember where all of them roost, you know, who's sitting where. And uh, just check them out in the morning. Uh, as they get out the door, uh, you stand there with a little stick and push through the droppings and uh, see what you can see. And generally, if they have worms bad enough to cause a chronic diarrhea situation, um that will, um, uh, you know, you'll be able to see them in the droppings and then treat it accordingly. Um, one of the other things uh, that we see with this chronic diarrhea is caused by too much salt in the diet, uh, and that can be caused by those who like to feed uh, dog food, cat food, and uh, tuna fish. Uh, and there are a fair amount of people out there that like to do it, and I'm not going to go into the rhyme and reason why you shouldn't. We've done it a zillion times, and people continue to do it because they're happy doing it. So... Um, and that, those are some of the things. Coccidiosis can cause it. Um, kidney problems can cause it. Um, bronchitis can cause it. Um, and so if if you take some of these, if you're not interested in a chemical, other than the, the possible worming, if you're not interested in a chemical uh, treatment, uh, I would opt for the uh, oil of oregano. Uh, we've had tremendous success with it. I won't tell you that it will cure everybody's problem. There's no such thing as a, a uh, end-all, cure-all. But it has been a tremendous uh, product. Uh, it's making its way now into the commercial poultry industry uh, and doing a real good job. Um, the uh, manufacturer of this product uh, had run a trial here at the local university uh, on broiler chickens, and uh, the uh, oil of oregano outperformed the coccidiosis vaccine that they were using in a comparative flock. So, uh, w- you know, we all know the story about the uh, the turkey flock here with the blackhead that's been taken care of totally, uh, non-existent at this point, and, and uh, this is now uh, uh, three years plus running. So, um, those are some of the things you can do if you uh, uh, feel like you want to use a antibiotic. Uh, I recommend uh, BMD bacitracin and uh, neomycin powder, uh, along with uh, oxytet concentrate mixed together. Uh, one teaspoon of each in a gallon of water, run out seven days, follow it up with a probiotic, and see what it does. 
Awesome. There you go. I don't know if you're going to get a better answer than that <laughs> right there from maybe causes right out down the right on down the treatment. So uh, yeah, it gives you a couple of options. You know, some people yeah. want to. You know, uh, well, I've seen it where um, a little story had a fellow or two here in our own hometown uh, fancy poultry club and um, uh, had treated the birds with the combination that I suggested there uh, and got nowhere. And at that point, uh, I had just gotten into the oil of oregano. I said, well, here, try this. I gave him a small bottle of it to try. And that's been passed around the club now because several people have used it uh, when they weren't successful. So uh, sometimes an alternative treatment uh, uh, you know, c- can be the cure, sometimes not. But uh, mm-hmm. chronic diarrhea like that, um, one of the other downsides to it, it can help get coccidiosis started, even though may- maybe coccidiosis in this uh, particular case is not uh, what's causing it because it makes the bedding wet, okay? And so if you have more than one bird doing that, this profuse, watery, wet uh, diarrhea uh, builds up over a period of time, makes the litter conditions more conducive to uh, growth of coccidia, and then you're going to end up getting a coccidiosis outbreak as another possibility. So, uh, you know, there's a couple of options there, and and, uh, all of them are doable, easy, um, you know, not a problem. We have all the stuff, and if you get it from us, you get all the directions that I just gave. Perfect. Thank you. Shane wants to know, I have three new chickens, um, which were 19 weeks old Friday. So they're they're pretty much full grown. Uh, I am having a problem where the old hen, the hen he's had, I guess, for a while, um, attacks them. Uh, Attack them all when you let her out. I have a rooster as well, but he doesn't have any problem with them. Should I let Oh, should I get rid of the old hen uh, because I have to isolate her anyway now from uh, the new girls whenever I let them out? So uh, please advise. So she's got a, 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 Shane has a current hen um, that's picking on some new ones. Yeah, that's that old pecking order thing. And and, um, (laughs) aggressiveness uh, comes in two forms, um, or I'll say it comes in two forms, but the, the cause and effect of it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Some of it is, is bred into the chicken. Some breeds are just naturally more aggressive than others. Uh, and some of it's a learned behavior. Okay? Uh, so a bird that uh, that is uh, exposed, and, and we find that very early on in their age, just like just like human children, okay? And don't forget, we share over 50% of our genes with, with chickens. Uh, young children who are... Uh, brought up in a more violent uh, uh, upbringing, have a tendency to be more violent themselves. Uh, the same goes for chickens. So uh, uh, if this chicken at some point in time uh, was around other chickens that were more aggressive, then they they take on that same uh, that same behavior. So now how do you fix it? Pretty tough to fix it. Um, rather than get rid of, of the hen, what I would offer, uh, if he will send me uh, his name, address, and telephone number, uh, I will send him uh, a couple of the pinless peepers uh, free of charge with the directions how to put them on, and um, he can try that on that gal and see if that doesn't slow her down. Lots of times it does. It, it limits their ability to see forward and up and down, side to side. They can still eat, drink, mate, and do all the other things that they need to do, get around the yard, but it just takes them back a step because they become unsure uh, of, of uh, what's going on around them, uh, a little tentative and it might just make her just sit right back down and behave herself, and then again, nothing might do it. So, uh, But if he wants to do that, 
Uh, it's Chicken Dr. at FirstStateVetSupply.com. Be glad to send them a pair, a couple pair. Very cool. I was going to think about that. Uh, I was going to say if you weren't the famous speakers, and that's a great starting point for uh, for that. Julie wants to know, um, and I don't have. She doesn't claim she has an official diagnosis diagnosis from the lab or a vet or anything, but she says my rooster has ear cancer. Anything I can do for him? So I don't know if this is a self-diagnosis or if this is official yeah. ear cancer. Don't know. Okay, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here myself, uh, not knowing any more about it. I'm thinking that she is thinking ear canker. Uh, it's not a true canker like mouth canker, not caused by the same organism, but it appears as such. It's a yellow uh, to yellow-orangey, waxy core uh, that grows directly out of the ear. If you pull it out, it's cone-shaped, uh, stinks to high heaven once you get it out, um, and uh, is very aggressive. Uh, she needs to take that out and clean the ear out and uh, she needs to use gloves when she do, does this. Uh, I uh, haven't had any current um, uh, samples tested at the laboratory, but the last one I had done, I don't know, six, seven years ago, uh, was a uh, Enterobacter fecalis. And it uh, comes in a lot of different varieties, uh, benign, aggressive, uh, semi-aggressive, and so on. It's a bacteria. Um, so you need to handle it, you know, with kid gloves, so to speak. So you get out the uh, old surgical gloves, throwaways, put them on, clean it out. Uh, you want to use some peroxide maybe until you get some medication. Uh, amoxicillin works well, uh, depending on the size of the bird. Um, uh, a Bantam, I would start out at 250 milligrams uh, once a day. And then we use Otomax. Uh, it's uh, used for dogs and cats for ear infections. Uh, and bear in mind, this can take a while to go away, okay? But we use the uh, Otomax in the ear, clean it all out a couple times a day. Um, on large birds, the amoxicillin, I, I would uh, consider using 250 milligrams twice a day. And you might be looking at a 14 to 30-day treatment here, and then, again, it may still come back. It can be very aggressive. Uh, so she needs to be careful doing that. But that's going to be my guess because I don't – personally, I've never seen a case of what I would call ear cancer. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking that awesome. it's you know, this ear canker. It kind of looks like it might be a cancer kind of thing, you know, when it starts growing like it does. But it's actually growing right out of the ear. Um, and I, have, uh, I don't post a lot of pictures of mine on Facebook because people have a tendency to steal them even though I uh, watermark them. And my, my, my library of, of – uh, uh, photographs are very dear to me. Uh, most of them were willed to me by, by people who were uh, my mentors who have passed. So uh, I don't always put up a lot of stuff up on this. Some I got from customers okay, and clients, uh, but um, the majority of the ones that I have, I, I just don't let them out. I, I very, hold them very close to me. But um, if, if she wants to send me a picture of what it is, uh, she can also send that to chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com, and I'd be glad to give her my opinion. Perfect. Very good. Awesome. 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 Uh, man, we're moving right, right along. This is great. We're covering a lot of questions for our fans, listeners, and um, and followers. So Max wants to know um, what causes blood in my eggs. I had some for breakfast this morning. Cracked them open, and one had uh, a good bit of blood in it. What what would cause that, Peter? Yeah, that's pretty easy. That one. If you look at the um, the membrane that holds the uh, the ovum uh, when it's getting ready to be ovulated uh, from uh, the ovary tree inside the bird's body, 
uh, it's what we call highly vascularized, uh, meaning it has all kinds of little blood vessels uh, going uh, uh, all over it. And if you were to look at it real, real close, uh, it has an area where there are no uh, uh, blood vessels whatsoever. And um, when that membrane breaks to ovulate that um, ovum, and drop it into the infundibulum, which is the beginning of the of the oviduct, uh, and it doesn't break right down the middle of that line. It breaks a little right, a little left, and catches one of those uh, little capillary blood vessels. Uh, you'll get that blood. That's exactly where it comes from. Um, sometimes it can be caused by birds that have a case of bronchitis, but more than likely, uh, this was um, just one of those ones that didn't break where it was supposed to. The other thing that can cause it uh, is uh, birds that are roughly handled prior to uh, or during that uh, ovulation. Um, thunderstorms have been known to do it. Uh, when thunderstorms have passed through an area, it's been documented uh, where flocks have had uh, high numbers of uh, uh, blood spots in the eggs. But uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, for me, I wouldn't need it. It's just me. Other people do. Um, uh, but it's, it's something that should go away and should not be recurring with the same uh, hen. If it is, um, then there must be some other underlying factor. Uh, I doubt it's bronchitis because you would know it. Everybody would be sick. Bron bronchitis is a very aggressive, fast-moving uh, virus. And uh, so uh, more than likely rough handling, dog chasing a bird, uh, kids chasing a bird, uh, predator chasing a bird, any of those things can cause this when the uh, bird is getting ready to ovulate that ovum. Cool. Here's kind of a one, uh, maybe a little bit related to this, also egg uh, clarity. Um, I have a hen that would lay cloudy eggs. Uh, I know sometimes they can appear cloudy when they are fresh, uh, but these would appear cloudy even weeks after they were laid and we crack them open and, and eat them. Well, what would cause maybe a cloudy uh, egg versus maybe a more clear-appearing egg? I actually don't have a good answer for that one. Um, there are a number of things, uh, you know, that can cause it, um, you, you know, um, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure on, on that particular one. I actually have never seen it myself, so I'm not yeah. sure I can help, help them on that one, just being honest about it. No problem. Let me scroll down here, and um, I think this is just... Um I'm going to let Evelyn, I appreciate Evelyn for going into detail about what's in the food, but we're, I'm not a uh, poultry nutritionist, and either is Peter. I have two business cards on my desk. I'm touching right this very second of two PhD food nutritionists that would, would probably answer your question. I'm going to say, based on the ingredients you listed, that I personally wouldn't give it to my chickens, but... Um, and, and because another reason I don't, I don't know the amount of protein, the amount of fat, the amount of amino acids, the amount of anything that's in here, but she says we're currently using a custom mixed feed for our goats and want to know if we could feed it to our chickens. Um, the mix has 250 pounds of whole corn, 250 pounds of cracked corn. My red flags already go up there. Um, 245 pounds of whole oats, 200 pounds of baby beef. I don't know what what type of baby, but baby beef. 50 pounds of molasses, 50 pounds of sunflower seeds, um, and um, let's see what else we get. And, and apparently it's it's a, it's a cheaper. It says she maybe that's why she wants to know. It's 
$12.70 per 50 pounds, and the uh, egg maker crumbles are $15 for 50 pounds. So she's looking at saving maybe, uh, uh, let's see, $2.30 uh, for a 50-pound bag of this. Um, but but all that corn uh, sends red flags to me, and, and, and you know I don't know what what beef is it, uh, beef beef cow beef that's in there or, or what. But um, and, and I don't know what percentage of protein, what percentage of anything else does that equal. So I would say if you threw that at me, I would say no. Well, I have a standing rule myself. No, I'm not a I'm not a nutritionist at all, uh, but I know how this stuff pretty much works. Um, I'll just say this. Uh, you know, if if that were something that could be easily uh, fed to chickens and uh, you know be overly beneficial for them, it would say chicken and goat feed. But it doesn't say that. It just you know it's a goat f- uh, feed or whatever. Um, so I'm a big fan of of feeding you know the the proper feed to the proper species because if you don't get all the nutrition right, um, you know the uh, the the methionine needs of chickens are much different than other animals. Chickens, chickens really need that as a supplement, as a as an amino acid base, um, and uh, you know they're called essential amino acids, and uh, there's there's quite a few of them. And I don't think I'd want to put my birds at risk, you know, by by doing that just to save a few dollars. Um, and she never said how many bags she buys weekly, monthly, or whatever. Uh, I I suspect that you know if you're Feeding a lot of chickens, you know, a couple of bucks a bag is a big deal, uh, and I certainly get that. But, you know, you always run the risk at the other end. You know, um, you know, you, you put too much fat on the birds. Um, that's detrimental to their health. Uh, it's detrimental to egg laying. Um, if you don't have um, the right calcium uh, uh, levels, uh, you know, in the feed, uh, then you start to get into problems with eggshells, uh, egg laying. Uh, you know, as we've discussed before, over 50% of a bird's uh, uh, has to mobilize 50, over 50% of the calcium in her body every day on a daily basis just to put an eggshell down. That's a lot. And if you're not replenishing that with a good, uh, complete feed, um, you know, then you're not going to get those eggshells that are that are going to be beneficial to you. You're not going to get the eggs. Eventually, her body's going to say, "Okay, I've had enough. Can't do this anymore." And uh, because if they're not going to get it in their feed, they're going to take it out of their body. That's how it works. And they get to that point of, of imbalance where they, they stop laying eggs because it's a secondary sexual uh, characteristic. They don't need it for survival, so it's the first thing to go. So just on that of what I know you know, uh, about things uh, along those lines, you've seen it before, Andy, on the show many times here. You know, the people have called in and, and uh, were, were feeding odd things to their, to their birds and having, you know, uh, all these anomalies and problems, and really, it's it's all self-inflicted at the end of the day. But uh, no, I wouldn't feed it. I guess long and short of it, I would not, and I would never recommend anybody do that. Um, that's the long and short of it, I guess. Got it. No, thank you. I think you would chime in, and and uh, I want to go um, back to the one with the cloudy uh, eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting here, you know, having an opportunity to think about it while I'm talking about these other things. Most of the time, um, again, I've never seen one, okay, but most of the time, cloudy eggs and and things uh, that are odd within the egg after you open it generally uh, are traced back to to what you're feeding. 
So you know they they need to look at what they what they feed. Are they feeding a regular feed that's got all of the nutrients in it? Or are they not doing that? Or those kinds of things. Um, I, I know that uh, years ago uh, there were egg problems caused by feeding uh, cottonseed meal because it was cheap. Uh, you know, a lot of people will do things be- because it's you know cheap or cheaper, um, and not thinking of of the consequences uh, down the road. Uh, you know, just like this gal here trying to save a couple of bucks. And don't get me wrong, I understand it. You know, I'd, I'd like to save a couple of dollars in everything I buy too, but sometimes the end doesn't justify the means and you end up doing more harm than, than, than good when, you come, when it comes to that. But as far as the cloudiness is concerned, I would probably go back and look at everything that I was feeding, and you might find the answer there. Okay, perfect. I was uh, I'm talking about this nutrition, trying to line up uh, one of these uh, poultry uh, nutritionists to come on the show for the next, uh, maybe next week or the week after. So, because I want to have him come on and talk about the nutrition for, for the chicks. And then, of course, the summer, I want to come on and have them talk about, you know, in the summer they drink more, eat less. What does that mean? What do we need, do we need to supplement, you know, that type of thing? And then yep. the fall with the mold, adding more, you know, whatever. So it's going to be a great resource to have. Okay, uh, Jonathan, we're almost done with this post, and then we'll go, we'll go on up and uh, do the other post. We're moving right along. It is great. Uh, one of my gals is 10 months old and has never laid, a la- never laid an egg. She eats and poops normally and is active, do I have any reason to be concerned? Don't know what breed. Just no ten months old hen, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, one yeah, one would think that you know, ten months of age, um, you know, that that she'd be uh, at least starting starting to lay. Um, I I don't know. There's you know, I there, there's when I say I don't know, I don't have enough information. You know, what kind of feed we're feeding. Um, you know, whether or not uh, this particular bird uh, is, has the proper lighting. To stimulate uh, uh, ovulation, because um, it's all hormonal based, and it's all uh, based uh, out of the pineal gland, uh, under the uh, uh, right under the, the comb of the bird, uh, not too far under the the uh, uh, the covering to the to the skull, and that's one of the reasons why uh, you don't need a lot of light. Uh, for birds to uh, to go into production, you've talked about it before, Andy, and, and I'm no lighting expert with with it either, but because uh, it's a whole uh, deal all its own. But uh, I do know that um, uh, I think it was Michigan State University uh, has a line of, or did have a line of birds called Smoky Joes, and <clears throat> when you hatch them out, uh, they were sighted, but as they start to mature, they go blind, and as blind birds. Uh, knowing we need stimu- light stimulation, uh, these birds laid as normal or better than other birds that were sighted. And then it was discovered that uh, the uh, light, penet- certain types of, of light, certain uh, light spectrums are able to penetrate the skull and and uh, go through the, the pineal gland and uh, stimulate egg production. So I, I would look at the lighting for sure. Uh, and again, what are you feeding? Is a bird too fat? Fat birds don't lay eggs. Um, and that kind of thing. I don't think he has anything to be concerned from a health standpoint if the bird is, uh, um, you know, doesn't have any respiratory issues, does not wormy and those kinds of things. But we need a little bit more information to really answer this uh, in a little bit, uh, you know, better fashion than we have. Very good. No, thanks for uh, doing your best, and that's all the information I had. 
this wraps up this uh, segment here. Uh, let's see. Let's see if this is going to be pertinent. Okay, here we go. It's kind of kind of a wound healing uh, question. Uh, Bev has a two-year-old buckeye who about two months ago was bleeding under her right wing, took her to the emergency vet, $92, found a small slit-type puncture wound that was creating a marble-sized hematoma. Uh, He did not want to suture it since it might need to bleed out whatever was causing it. Uh, isolated with antibiotic, uh, isolated the hen uh, with antibiotic water for seven days. Uh, still will continue to fill up and bleed out every few weeks. Uh, have used raw honey, cayenne pepper successfully. Why is this not healing? Why does she continue to do this? That said, it's not a bloke, broken blood feather. Uh, and I'm at my wit's end. So it sounds like it's got a hematoma that kind of fills up with blood when it gets to a certain pressure. It, it, it finds that open spot or that weak spot, and it bleeds out. And then it kind of that dries up, fills that same hematoma, fills back up with blood, and then kind of bleeds out again. <clears throat> there must be um, there there must be a broken blood vessel there somewhere. Um, knowing the underside of the of the wing, she didn't say exactly where. Um, but you know, knowing that underside, it's to that whole area from where the wing uh, goes into the body and, and all down through there towards the uh, uh, towards the breast uh, is really just loaded with a bunch of capillary blood vessels. So my guess is that this this blood vessel doesn't want to heal uh, for whatever reason. Um, and I, you know, she didn't say whether it was surface. Um, must be under the surface if it's forming a hematoma, though. It's got to be. So I'm not sure that, you know, you can um, uh, fix it from the outside. My, my guess would be that, you know, the, the vet didn't want to venture into it and make, make something worse than, than it already is. Uh, you know, what looks, what looks simple to most people on the outside can be very complicated once you get your fingers into it. Um, I think what I would do if this bird were mine, and that's the way I always instruct people, I would never tell you to do something I wouldn't do myself. Um, I'd go to the health food store and see if you can get some uh, vitamin K tablets and see if you can't um, help that blood coagulate a little bit and then possibly um, drain in in some fashion that uh, hematoma and hope that it all goes away by by giving some, some vitamin K. Um, let me see here. Hang on a minute. Let me see what I can find in my file here. Bear with me just a second. Don't know whether I've got it here or not. Tell you what I'm going to do. I was going to go to break here after this question. Anyway. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? Here. I just need to find this label and, and see what the deal is on it. 
That would be perfect. We'll be back. Uh, folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of They Don't Have It, You Don't Need It. And uh, we'll be back right after this short break from our awesome sponsors. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. 
All of their coupes are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coupes, Urban Coupe Company coupes will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coupes and check out their integrated coupe accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coupe Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coupes because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Let's bring him back live now. And uh, go ahead, finish in that last question, and we'll start with some others for the last Okay, minute. yeah. Uh, what I wanted to do was, um, in my files, I used to sell a, a vitamin K tablet, and uh, I just needed to know what the strength of it was. It, it, so what, if the bird were mine, uh, depending on the size of the bird, so I'm going to give two things here. For the Bantam, I'd give uh, one 100-microgram uh, vitamin K tablet uh, per day, and after four or five days, I would see if this uh, hematoma is starting to go away and the whole problem kind of like taking care of itself. Large fowl, I'd probably do two a day for a couple, three days and see how that goes um, and see if it doesn't do the same thing. So that's what I do. The 100 microgram, you probably can find them in most health food stores that sell um, you know, vitamins and multiple vitamins, like a vitamin shop or whatever. Awesome. Good information there. And let's get to the second posting regarding comments for Peter. We'll get as many as we can done here before the top of the hour. My free-range hens have free-range chicks. Should I be feeding or supplementing them with medicated chick starter? Great question. Wow. Yeah, it is. Um, I I probably would um I probably would and um the the reason the reason being is that um there there is no natural protection for them uh if they're not exposed um uh, you know to the oasis that are causing that that can cause cox, coccidiosis so uh if if the uh adult birds um uh, or shedding any of the oocysts, the, the the chicks more than likely will pick it up. I think as a precautionary thing for myself, I would probably do that, or I would um, treat them for five days once a month with some amprolium uh, in the drinking water if the medicated feed is going to be an issue uh, for, for them. But um, uh, you know, and and now we're coming into spring, so the the conditions are going to be ripe. In most areas, uh, it's warming up. Uh, that'll probably continue right on into April. You know, we'll have some some cool days and cool nights. But I think the for the most part, unless something odd comes along at this time of the year, uh, most of the nine degree days around this neck of the woods anyway are pretty much done. 
and uh, so you're going to get into more rain. Uh, we've had rain here the last couple of days. It wasn't heavy, but we're supposed to have heavy rain on Saturday, um, you know, on top of all the snow melt that we've had on top of that. So things get pretty soggy, and soggy, warm conditions are conducive, very conducive for coccidiosis. So for those reasons, uh, if they were mine, that's that's the approach that I would take. Prevention is, is, is always best, um, uh, waiting till you... Uh, you actually have a problem uh, usually puts you know everybody at risk. And I I, pro- I would I'm not one that wants to take that risk. Okay, great, great question and great information. Um, we talked about this earlier. My chickens keep plucking their back and tail feathers. We talked about pinless peepers being a great uh, starting solution to that because they are. Uh, inexpensive, and we have had great success with those. So, Ray, you may want to see about getting some pinless peepers for for your girls that are or boys that are doing that. Um, let's see. We're not going to cover that one. Not going to cover that one. Um, here's one that I know you can answer because you uh, talked about it before. We talked about it not too long ago, and that is I'm just going to cover this first question here that's in this paragraph. What do you recommend the best humidity for an incubator? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a can of worms. I'll, 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 uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give her probably the most common, and that is for the first 18 days, you're looking at 45 to 55%. At eight, day 18, you'll want to increase that to 55 to 65%. That's just always been kind of a classic when you talk about it, kind of a... Uh, basic numbers to look at. Now, you'll talk to some folks that hatch all the time, and they'll have their own, oh, well, I do this, and it works for me, or I do this. You know, everybody has their own little favorite number for, for that question. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, if you look at even some of the big hatcheries that sell 6 million chicks every single year, <laughs> you know, they're putting their kids through college, they have a bunch of employees to support, health insurance to buy for them. I mean, you know, it, it, it says something to me when I see that. But um, you know, they're, they're, you're looking at the 45 to 55 percent, 55 to 65 after day 18. But uh, you, you start talking to maybe it's an old timer or somebody that's been doing this for for a while. That, that you'll see ranges anywhere in there and beyond. <laughs> and they'll all have their own specific opinions. Well, yeah, and then you got the crowd that wants to dry hatch. So go figure. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know and. I think that you know from from what I can gather, and I, I don't like to point fingers at anybody, uh, but from what I can gather is the uh, some people cause certainly can't paint with a, a real broad brush, but they don't want to take the time to to uh, fine tune things. Um, uh, there was a post not too long ago on one of the forums where somebody was. Uh, you know, had their incubator in their in their shed, unheated, uninsulated, and everything else, and then they wonder why they they can't keep the temperature right, they can't keep the humidity right. You'll never keep anything right, um, you know, as a general rule. So, uh, you know, it's to to me that people don't want to put the time in. Uh, they they want the result, but they don't want to put the time in to get the the the, the proper result. Um, and uh, uh, you know, my my pet peeve, you know. <laughs> With with all of this stuff, with hatching and stuff, is you know they candle the eggs to death. It's a wonder anything hatches. Um, 
you know, every time you open up an incubator to, to candle or do anything else to it, uh, you let out all of the the uh, the, uh, the humidity that you had in there that you had stabilized. You destabilize the entire incubator. Uh, you've lowered the temperature. Um, those embryos that were marginal, you've now shocked them to the point where they're probably going to die or have, will die at some point. Um, you know, it's it's amazing how many people that you know I, I see on on Facebook. I'm, I don't even respond to it anymore because it's it's a waste of time to try to explain to people who are never going to get it in the first place that you know it's it's science and and art. The art part of it is that finesse that you're going to give it. It's 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 that little tweak, that little tiny thing that you do. You know, keeping the room temperature stable is one of the big deals, and and that helps the incubator. You know, not having to call for heat all the time and all the other things. So, you know, that's just how I see it from where I sit. You know, I deal with this stuff every day and and. Uh, um, you know, and, and the other thing, ho- holding eggs, you know, uh, I think holding eggs for the most part uh, is is uh, is worse. Uh, you know, keep them on the kitchen table, keep them in the refrigerator, down the basement, out in the shed, uh, everywhere and anywhere, and no stable temperature whatsoever, not realizing that, you know, there is a live, growing embryo in that egg that is growth dependent upon the temperature as the temperature rises the embryo starts to grow as the temperature drops the embryo starts to regress and stop growing and then you bring it back out and you put it in warm temperature now we go and we start growing again whoop whoop no we're going back cold we stop we start we stop it's only going to do that so many times before it dies i mean and especially the ones that are weaker from older birds uh, maybe some younger birds uh, that kind of thing uh, birds that are not uh that are marginal nutritionally uh as, as breeding stock, passing that on through the egg and, and that kind of stuff. So it's no wonder anything hatches half the time. But uh, that's just the way it is. Okay. Let's, uh, I'm going to uh, get to here in this this next question. What okay. is the best way to de- what is the best way to deal with lice? Um, I have dusted with seven dust every three weeks. Uh, two question down. Please have the uh, Peter address. Seven dust. From what from what I understand, it's no longer approved for use in poultry because of the inability to specify a withdrawal period. But I see it recommended by experts everywhere. So there's two questions here regarding uh, dealing with lice. And she's using seven dust, and someone else saw that and said, uh, "I thought that was a no-no now." Well, I don't know who those experts would be because I've never recommended any of the dust because I don't see the value in them. Um, Birds shake it off. Uh, it gets all over you. Uh, most people don't use a respirator to to spread this stuff around, so you know, now it becomes an issue for you. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, I, I uh, I've never recommended it, and uh, I don't keep track of of the uh, of the dusts of whether they uh, are approved or not approved. Um, I'll just tell you this: the commercial poultry industry here many years ago moved away from it for environmental and Worker health issues, because it used to be, uh, you know, the go-to product here, and it no longer is such because of the, the environmental issues and the worker uh, uh, health problems that are associated with it. So, um, on that note, I never have and, and never will recommend any of the of the powders. Um, the, the best way to to get these things under control is to have a program. Most people don't have a program for a couple of reasons. It takes time and it takes money. Okay? Um, any insecticide that you read, the, the directions for, whether it be 
pyrethrin, permethrin. Uh, if you like the powders, the pyrethrin, pow- the permethrin powders, uh, the uh, uh, the seven powder, and all those. Um, uh, have directions in the front that will tell you that this product is part of a rotational program. And therein lies the problem, the rotational program thing. People don't get it for either don't read the directions, which I truly believe they don't, okay? Uh, and secondly, it is costly to buy a bag of this and a bottle of that and then another bottle of this and another bottle of that so that you can rotate them around. And then secondly, the other approach is the labor that it takes to do it. Most people want a quick cure because they've got kids, they've got a job, they, they, you know, they're going on vacation, they've got all kinds of stuff going on. We all do. okay? But they want to put something on the birds that takes care of it today and they really don't want to have to address it again. And therein lies another problem because once it wears off, everybody comes back. And you, know, you need to, to then do the premise and the bird at the same time. And I've been hawking this for years. We've talked about it on the show till the cows come home. But <clears throat> so the products that I like to use uh, that I think are, are great uh, for uh, getting these things under control, I like the 10% permethrin, and I uh, really like the new product, Elector. Uh, the Elector is uh, uh, by far, uh, from all of the data that I have uh, seen, uh, is the safest product on the market. There is no egg withdrawal time by using it. It can be used in the presence of, of birds. Certainly you wouldn't want to have any eggs laying around uh, that would get any on it, but you don't have to. According to the, the data that I have on file here in my office, um, it's not necessary that you even wear a respirator. I would, just opting on the side of caution always. Uh, I would never do anything like that, but that's my, my point. And the elector, it's expensive. You know, it's expensive. Be prepared to pay 120 bucks, 125 bucks a bottle, but it is the best thing on the market at this point in time. Um, the uh, 10% permethrin, uh, a lot, a lot cheaper. Uh, the other product I like uh, is is the um, poultry protector spray uh, when you want to use it in between, because you can use it every day. You're not going to get quick knockdown if you've got a real full-blown problem. And I'm here to tell you, your poultry protector is not your, not your product right up front, unless you're an organic uh, farm, and then I would certainly give them a bath in it. You can do that, okay? So you could gain control that way. But you, you, you need to do the premise and the bird at the same time, because if you're going to do the bird, put them back in a, in a chicken house, you've got lice and mites running all around, guess what? As soon as that stuff wears off, they're going to jump right back on the bird and have a party. So it's a rotational program. It's doing the bird and the house at the same time and being very judicious about what you do, getting in every nook and cranny, leaving no, uh, nothing uh, uh, unturned. If you've got some uh, roost boards that are nailed to the wall, you want to make sure you let that uh, liquid run down behind the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the two-by-fours or whatever is holding it up to the wall so that you kill off anything and everything that's around. And uh, you know, We've done shows on it before. We've talked about it. Uh, another thing I like about the Elector is that your seven, your ivermec, your uh, your pyrethrin, your permethrin, all of them attack the same receptor sites on the insects. And so, resistance to one product bodes resistant to resistance to the rest of the products fairly quickly. The Elector product has a new uh, insecticide in it uh, called Spinosad. That's S-P-I-N-O-S-A-D. 
You might know it as uh, part of the Trifexis product and Comfortis for your dogs and cats. Uh, very wide margin of safety, um, but it has it attacks different receptor sites on the insects. Therefore, its its chances of building uh, insecticidal resistance anytime soon are next to nothing compared to the others because the others have been around for a long time, okay? And once there's resistance to one, it isn't long before the others start having resistance problems as well. So you'll, so by using these in a rotational program, you will lessen your uh, resistance problem, and you'll be introducing a, a new product to the mix as far as the, the uh, Electra product is concerned, and you'll eventually gain control. Will you gain it overnight? I don't think so, Okay. But uh, certainly, if you're diligent about it after cleaning the coop out uh, a couple of times uh, and uh, you know doing the coop and the bird at the same time, you will gain control. You'll get the upper hand and keep rotating things around. And if something in that rotation is not working at all, kick it out. You know, uh, some people use the uh, the front line. I failed to put that one in the mix. That's another one. But you know, by the time you buy a bottle of Elector, a bottle of front line, a bottle of Permethrin, a bottle of Pyrethrin, <clears throat> you've, you've spent a few bucks. And therein lies the problem. People are not willing to, to do that rotational thing and then under, can't understand why they continually have mites. And it's, it's just a, that kind of a deal. So uh, I guess I've answered that question, Andy. Yeah, we're going to wrap up that one because that was great. And, and uh, you know, mites, we get that often. Uh, and so it's a good good explanation and about the products. And, wow, $120 for a bottle of that stuff. And, uh uh, that is that is expensive, and, you know, people are going to be like, for a $3 chicken. Well, again, uh, there's only one manufacturer because they still have a patent on it, see? And, um, and you know, until that runs out, we're, we're stuck with that kind of price. Once it becomes generic, then the price will drop like a rock. But in the meantime, um, and there's no margin in it. I just soon not sell it. Don't bother me. I don't care if I sell a bottle of it or don't. There's enough margin in it to make it worth have it tying up that kind of inventory dollars on the shelf. Uh, just you know, noticed, shame, but that's you know. Yep, I noticed East Dallas Dave, long time fan and listener. I met him when I was touring through Dallas uh, a couple of years ago. Um, what does Peter Brown think about sulfur mixed in with the dust bath? I put a cup of sulfur in with the dust bath about once a month as a preventative, and haven't really noticed any mite problems over about six years. So that's one way Dave tries to. I have no, yeah, I have no personal experience with it, but I have various people uh, who have um, uh, purported to use it, just like the, this individual, um, and have no reason not to believe them. You know, you're not going to continue to do something if it isn't working. Because uh, I guarantee, you, I don't know, I've never met a person that likes a bird with mites or lice. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, they, they, I've never met anybody. So oh, that's cool. You know. Everybody just gets the creepies when they have it. So uh, the other problem is not everybody, uh, from what I understand, um, not everybody has uh, uh, access to these sulfas either. Uh, not everybody carries. A lot of stuff that used to be around a long time ago, um, if I had a truckload of black leaf 40, and he probably knows what I'm talking about, uh, but I'll tell you what, that nicotine sulfate, that kills some mites in a heartbeat. But um, kill people too. That's the problem. So, uh, it, you know, if if you have access to it, I, I would certainly try it. I'm not against trying things that other folks, uh, you know, uh, 
have uh, experimented with and had good success with it, as long as you know they they are being honest with themselves and with everybody else in the fact that uh, they're using it and get having success. Good deal. All right, I saw, I saw that I was in the chat room and wanted to get that on on the air. Uh, Peter, thank you very much for uh, joining us today, uh, as always, and we'll be back here on Monday. But I want to tell folks that um, you do have access to Peter's expertise, uh, probably 50 years of uh, poultry expertise at your fingertips. Uh, he still does offer a consultation program. Uh, it is $25. Uh, when was the last time you went to the vet? When was the last time you got burned from information on a blog that cost the life of your flock or a chicken or a hen? When was the last time you bought $40 worth of medicine that wasn't going to work for what your chicken had to begin with? $25 consultation fee, uh, chicken DR at firststatevetsupply.com, um, and uh, you have access. So. You know, we hear that, oh, there's no chicken vet in there. Oh, I, I have to rely on a blog. Oh, there's nobody. There's not a, a poultry extension. There's a phone call. You've got a phone. Uh, you can call Peter. Uh, and, again, $25 consultation fee. And, and, and uh, he'll follow up with you. It's just, just amazing. And uh, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. And that's why it comes highly recommended. That's why he's on the show. So, Peter, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. And also, while you're on the, online here, before I let you go, just to let people know, today was episode 992. Uh, in eight more in eight more episodes, so probably in the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, we will broadcast episode 1,000. Now, to give you folks an idea of uh, not really comparing apples to apples, but everybody talks about, oh my gosh, the TV show Friends ran for 10 years, or MASH, the TV show MASH ran for however many years, you know, and most, well... Um, Seinfeld, oh, the Seinfeld show ran all these episodes, you know. Well, Ma uh, MASH, Friends, and Seinfeld had under 300 episodes. And uh, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer is, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be broadcasting live our 1,000th episode. I'll try to kind of pinpoint which show that's going to be and, and see who all I can have on that day. And reminisce and talk about the last uh, six years of, of broadcasting but um, and it's probably over a thousand we've had some shows that have been deleted because technical issues this that or the other but officially on our countdown here uh, with the episode listings it'll come up on a, on a thousand so I'm very proud of that and we'll, we'll let everybody know when that episode's going to be and of course brag about it on Facebook <laughs> we're proud of that so, uh, and Peter's been a part of the show I know probably going on for about three years now so um, we're always glad to have him on, and every single Monday you can join us, and Peter's probably going to be here uh, sharing his expertise with all of you guys. So, Peter, thanks so much for coming on, and we'll see you coming up on Monday. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. And um, no show tomorrow. We will return Monday with another great episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. Uh, make sure you head over to our uh, website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, um, subscribe free to Chicken Whisperer Magazine Digital Edition, or subscribe to the print edition mailed to your door. Uh, you can order the book, Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, there. and uh, Or you can go and read all 
the Chicken Whisperer magazines for free at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. So thank you very much. We hope you all have an absolutely wonderful and blessed weekend. We'll see you Monday right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. God bless everybody.